Thanks for listening. We decided to split our first reactions and thoughts on the new Octone Cthulhu game into two separate episodes. And in this first one, we're going to talk only about the player's guide. In the next episode, we will talk only about the Game Master's Guide. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. So we are here for a... a you got it too. That not that excellent? Doesn't it smell wonderful? How many of you got yours before me? I, well, hmm. I don't. What meant to happen? I, I don't. That's a good question, actually. That's given the fact that there's all the there are all these global shipping delays. I got mine two weeks ago, and you just got yours last week. Yeah. And of course, what we're talking about is the Octone Cthulhu Player's Guide and Game Master's Guides. Now, did you order other stuff too? The screen and so on and so forth? I also ordered this. I think it was like the GM kit. Okay. So I think that also came with the screen and then a set of dice. The Blauer Crystal dice? Uh, Maybe. And the blue one. So yeah, there, sure. that's, that's your blue crystal. That's actually kind of a cool touch. Um, hey, so I can make my gaming uh, my my gaming roundup for this last week really easy because I did no gaming. When was our last play? Thursday. We played some kind of board game. Oh, it was one of those classic things that, like, yeah, a friend brought over. We got bought new board games to try, and I look at the cool. time and it says ninety to one hundred twenty minutes. And of course, I go right. Well, whenever you play a board game for the first time, literally whatever time they give you, double that. Oh yeah, I was like, it will not be ninety to minutes. Yeah, and that was it. I think we started at about half eight. Yeah, we finished at half twelve. So yeah, that was four hours. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's... Blake, who was playing with us, getting up at seven o'clock the next morning. She was uh she was <laughs> That is definitely a tough one. Yeah. I mean, you've you've really got to uh with a new board game, I mean yeah, especially how involved so many of them are nowadays. It, it's just not that that's ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes would be if everyone's proficient. And yeah. you've already set the thing up yeah, with little fiddly bits. But yeah, no, I had uh, my, my wife and my daughter were both away. And um, then half my group realized they had a birthday party to attend. And then we got a new dog last week, which means I uh, she's a sweetie. But it means that I I um, I am on like hyper alert because she's not house trained yet. Right. So I I like the dog, but I cannot let the dog be out of my sight. So I've been like, you know, nervous and disturbed. I feel like I like your missus daughter have gone. Yay, we're getting a new dog here. You have it. You know, no. Here, here's what happened. They, it this all came to came to be on Wednesday afternoon, and then it just so happened that my wife left to visit her sisters on Thursday morning, and my daughter went uh, away later Thursday or early Thursday afternoon for a church camping trip for a couple of days. They were sheepish about it, but um, I mean that's life. Whatever, whatever. So I got to listen to her argue with uh, with the two existing dogs who are I think quite pissed off at us, but they're they're getting along now. So. All right. All right, so we're going to talk about the player's guide, and we're going to make this. Uh, you know what? I, I've been thinking that this this would be a good first pass. You know, like we do want to talk about for those people who don't have it or haven't seen it. You want to maybe we do just a, a quick uh, what is it that is not necessarily the game, but like physically, 
what is what's what's in the book what does it consist of how big it is that kind of thing yeah sounds good i mean yeah it's not the biggest partly because it is split into a player's guide and a car and a gm's book whereas all of the other every other modifius book isn't and i wonder if that's just because when they did it for the call of cthulhu savage worlds originally that was two separate books so they just decided to stick with it but yeah this is only like sort of 100 188 pages so it's like about yep. the size of one of the you know one of those star trek books like one of the quadrant guide things it's that kind of you know, it's not it's not a massive tome it's a it's just like a thinner type thing um and it's yeah it's interesting because you're you're right like all the other titles are essentially all the player stuff all the gm stuff one book uh and then there's the conan player's guide which is separate from yeah. the rule book but is just sections from i mean they're the exact they're paginated differently because the book is is smaller but the conan player's guide is everything the players would need minus sorcery rules and so yeah this is this is a lot more limited but that is that's a good question i, I do wonder why they didn't uh put them both together because the gm's guide i mean yes yeah, this is a little under 200 pages the gm's guide is thicker yeah. but not i mean all, all together i think both these books together would be the equivalent of like conan or the original um star trek the federation rule book but whatever yeah so then we have but and we've got the what's what's nice is that they've they've got a better format for doing that it used to be we had those things we'd have the introduction to the setting and then we'd have a tiny bit explaining the 2d20 rules but then we'd have another bit later on explaining how the game works and they used to split it into like two different so a lot of it like infinity and and conan did that which made it very confusing to read now all the modern books are yep. much better we've got short introduction we've got our we've got a chapter which is it's quite cool actually. i'm going to jump to this because this is a nice well it's got pros and cons it's got the chapter called chapter is called the secret war um and it's kind of like sort of like message boards as if someone's like pinned on a bunch of like little little notes about things rumors so it's like it's not clear stuff about sort of the different organizations you work for so we've got section m which is basically the the british sort of like hull service majestic which is the american counterpart we've got black done and knacked wolf that are basically the baddies uh and i've also got a little thing about migos and deep ones so it's it's quite you know that's that's a really cool thing so it looks nice i'd actually wish there was sort of more player facing information that wasn't and some of this stuff i actually can't read some of it's in really weird italic things which look good yeah that that section's about six some odd pages or so and it's it's it is it's presented as like uh, in-game or in-world artifacts and i know I, i've actually heard some other people could say that like online that they have trouble reading it and I, I like that kind of stuff it it the book is is definitely in the way it's um it's typeset and the colors and the way it's laid out it, and the, the the art i think the art's terrific um it definitely conveys a vibe but yeah i mean yeah it, it it's it's harder to read but i i agree with you completely the um there is a short like what is the two die 20 system and then you've got five or six pages that introduces you to some of the ideas through these world artifacts and then i mean it's about maybe 10 pages describes basically the whole system and that's 10 pages that's chapter three that's about 10 pages with explanations and graphics so it's really not and some tables it's really not like 10 solid pages of uh of writing actually i think that this is you know fight me over it but i think that this is the clearest 
and most um, concisely and like tightly organized explanation of how the core system works of any of the books that I've yeah, seen. No, I totally agree. I mean, when I, when I was doing like my modification stuff earlier in the year, when you then got in touch with me, this had just come out and this was the one I was kind of like, huh, this actually, this feels like every, everything's in the middle. It's like, it's probably the best presented. It's probably the best explained. Um, it has the stuff like that, the sort of the, 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 well, they are the truths in here, which are traits and other ones. But like I said, where they have got examples for how the rules work, very clear layouts for how momentum works and how threat works and how complications work. And how in this one it's called fortune how that works how the bait all of it's very well explained you can kind of tell like you know this is six or seven years of evolution of the system and them getting how yep. we're going to explain it um i think the only thing i was a bit well it could be a bit better is is the truths bit that actually a lot of the other stuff like i know how it works and all the other ones whereas the truth still truth is still only half a page i kind of wish like oh i wish truths would be more like a page um Although, I, doesn't it reference another part of the book where it's explained in more uh, depth? I, I mean, it might be in the GM thing, but I don't know Correct. if there's actually a huge amount. I mean, it, it, essentially, this is just given the basic rules for it. Um, I don't know if the, it really, a lot of the true stuff is a GM-facing thing. So yeah, it is. Important, but... Oh, yeah. No, it says, it, it talks about, uh, it mentions chapter five, heroes are forged. There's your character creation chapter. And there's more information about personal truths. In other words, those descriptive qualifiers. You know, something that I was really happy with, if you look on pages 30 and 31, there is an extended description of the core mechanic, the various types, you know, the, the various manifestations of the core mechanic played out outside of just like a single role example. And I think that those kinds of, I think it's really important to have those uh, those sidebar boxes or those those uh, you know little box on the side of the page that has a sample you know an example of okay this person is trying to pick a lock and this is how you would assemble the dice pool and this is how you would you would roll okay cool I know how to pick a lock just that but that one roll but given that you've got we have a we have simple tasks we have opposed tasks we have uh, extended tasks, and then we have momentum and threat threat spread throughout this. Um, we, uh, I think, it needs an extended example, and so I'm glad that uh, that they that they provided that. Yeah, I think they've done this. You know, they are. I mean, it shouldn't really have taken this long, but they are finally getting the hang of how to present the rules in a way that's like helpful. <laughs> Um, rather than people, one of the criticisms of lots of the old Modiphius 2D20 books is, is I can't find the rules, things are, and the things are being funny places where it's very clearly now we've got the, we've got the, like, this is how the system works. And then we've kind of got the, you know, the next yep. thing is action, which is, is not necessarily combat because it starts off with like, it doesn't have to be combat, but it basically, you know, it's, it's combat. we've got a minor and major actions. Um, it's nice to see it very clear. And here we've got the thing for creating a truth. Now I think that's, you know, that does then get its own rules, but that's something where it's it's not super clear. Like it gives us this action for create a truth, but then it doesn't actually come back and refer that I think that's where I'd like more rules on the truth stuff that it kind of feels a bit hand wavy that we've basically got a box out on if you know if successful, the character creates a new truth, changes an existing one or removes a truth in the scene. It's like, well, how extreme can you go? the truth you know can you can you create a truth which is 
you know, all the baddies are really rubbish. That's probably too extreme, but that's then, you know, I'd, I'd like a clearer thing player facing to say, this is the kind of examples of where you can create a truth. You know, like if we look to where this has come from, something like fate, it's very clear the kind of things you're going for. And here it's kind of thrown in as an action. But I, I kind of feel like that's something that, to me, it feels like they're still just starting to put it in and they're still not really fully behind the whole idea of truth and traits and everything else, which is they're kind of, it's in there, but it's not, it's not key. It's not like a key part of the system. Whereas with June, we said like, that's a really key part of the system. So they do, I think they do a better job in, in June of trying to make that here. It feels kind of like just kind of tagged it on at the end of it. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I, I need to read the section in chapter five in more depth about the character truths, but then I, I have not yet even looked at the, um, how it's explained in the, the GM's guide. I do like after that two page extended example, how then it goes into yeah. attacks and damage and weapons and stuff like that, because that's where, that's where I think it gets more complicated because of all the different weapon effects and qualities and things like that. And then obviously, you know, the, the, the fact that you throw your character into combat, that's, that's where you, you know, your character might get killed or something along those lines, or, uh, you know, the, the success or failure of the mission or whatever would, would hinge on those kinds of encounters perhaps. And so I think it makes sense for them to try to, they, they lay out the basics and then they, then they go into detail about how that whole, the whole combat system works after the fact. And um, it's interesting how they've, they adapt or they, they, it's like they shift the amount of damage a player character can take in order to turn up or turn down the, like the high action pulpiness. Because, you know, in Conan, you can take five wounds. Yeah. Right? And in this, you can take three. Uh, in Star Trek, you can take one, although you could ignore it. But then if you get wounded again, you're, you're, you're taken out of the scene. Unlike Conan, uh, and like Star Trek, this is when you have, when you sustain three wounds, any combination of mental, mental or physical, you're taken out of the scene. You're not necessarily killed. If you have, what is it, two physical wounds, then you're yeah. dying. Um, but uh, but I think it's interesting how within the mechanic, like how, how do you make the player, it's not that Star Trek player characters are less tough. It's just that Star Trek combat is kind of a different animal. Um, and Conan, you you want to be able to, you know, wade through your enemies with savage action and things like that. Uh, but this is in the middle in terms of the amount of damage a um, player character could take. Although, like I said, unlike Conan, which has uh, mental and physical has separate wound tracks, this ha or stress tracks, this is just, this is combined. Yeah, I mean, characters in Conan Infinity can definitely take a lot more damage, but then those are kind of, which is odd, because actually this is combat, you know, quite, actually quite a combat heavy game or at least it could be i mean compared to other cthulhu games there's a lot more combat in here um so it is funny that you can only take sort of three injuries which isn't which isn't really a lot um but if, if i mean like you know if your characters are getting wiped out all the time you could you could tweak that one thing i like i mean it's just a standard 2d20 thing is that whereas you get some games that when you take sort of you know wounds or whatever they're called you'll have a penalty to your rolls which means actually you're more likely to then get injured in future sort of thing the 2D20 has never done that. It's always you increase your complication mm -hmm. range. 
So you're more likely to roll, you know, complications, but you're not more likely to fail because you're still rolling your normal dice, um, which has always been a like a yeah. cool way of doing it. Now it's interesting in this, and this is what I I've experienced this when I've run this a few times is that uh, in the playtest at least the uh, the effects of wounds, mental or or physical, it just creates yeah. a truth. And what that actually does to you in play is up to the GM. Like, I don't remember in the playtest material seeing anything where it says, you know, you've got this penalty. So I like that because it, it puts the GM and the players in a position where you can jointly decide given the situation. Like, I, you know, I, I and I had this in the playtest where one of the characters got a bunch of... Um, you know, a grenade went off nearby and her character, you know, I, I would say you got it. She got a bunch of shrapnel in her. And so I said that her physical uh, tasks were going to be one difficulty higher because of the truth, because she'd been peppered by yeah. shrapnel and she was just in pain. And so there isn't a hard and fast system. It just says you now have this 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 truth. And then how that gets adjudicated mechanically uh, is just up to the GM and the, and the players. I yeah. actually kind of like, like the truth rules are pretty clear because the truth would basically say it makes something possible or impossible or it makes something easier or something more difficult so yeah you could certainly based on the injury you get it could be something that means that okay yeah you are going to have certain difficulties increased by one but like you said it's kind of that is up to the gm which makes things yeah that makes things well easier in one way and harder in another so it's still i, I still like that it's good yeah the one place where i I find, uh, and I don't mind this. I don't mind this, but it's something that, um, and may, I don't know if Infinity, maybe Fallout has this too. I'm not very familiar with those, but like you look at page 35 and you look at weapon effects, and uh, and then when we go into the equipment section, and then there are weapon effects and qualities and all these kinds of things. There are there are a lot of layers to weapons in this game in terms of the, the sorts of things that you as a player and you as a GM need to have handy um, to know at the table, because the, the different, the, the, the qualities and effects of these weapons, there's, there's so many more yeah. than in Star Trek. Um, there are so many more, I think there are even more than they're in Conan. Oh, yeah, both, both infinity and fallout have like a lot. I mean, actually these are pretty similar. They to look, just looking through them. I'm like, Oh yeah, I recognize most of these. Um, okay. So, yeah, it's still kind of annoying that I, I like if one of these days they actually put the weapon effects and the weapon qualities in the same place in the rule book. Luckily, in the GM screen, yes. I think they are on the same page. But it is kind of this this frustrating thing, which they, they keep doing it, that they kind of go, oh, well, the effects are going to go in the combat rules because it's part of combat, but the qualities are going to go with the equipment. You think, But you want to have both yeah. of them at the same time. So would it really kill you to have you know them all in one place um yeah i agree i agree and those are the kinds of things that are must-haves on the screen because those are the kinds of things that the gm is going to have yeah. to juggle especially if you have a bunch of different kinds of players and npcs engaged yeah. in so well, i normally end up having to do like a like a cheat sheet with all of those on one page so yeah. And again, from here, it's like it was a pain because the, the weapon qualities goes over two pages later on. And so at least the weapon effects fit on one page. That's something. Yeah, I've I've gone and, and taken uh, like screenshots of pieces and parts of the PDF and, you know, PDFs and just printed those and cobbled together like a Frankenstein screen uh, for the things that I need. 
What do you think of uh, of the character generation system and the and just like the, the character um, stats? I mean, system? I think it's it's far. I still I still really like the uh, I mean, Infinity is probably my favorite one. It comes off Newton Chronicles where you almost because you actually generate like a, a history. Conan kind of has it, but Conan's Conan's is weird yeah. because it has like you have this like war story thing which comes at the end. Which feels yeah. a bit like, well, why do I have to have had a war story? So I still really like I mean, Infinity's one. Because it's Conan and yeah, it's savage. Infinity takes now. ages to make a character in, but it's cool because as you do it, you're like at every step, you like you do your background and then you'll have something that happened, you do your education, something that happened. You do so like by the time you finish making a character, like your character's been on a story. Whereas, you know, this is yep. still this is, you know, it's it's fine and, and it's very, very clearly done. It's like you, you know, you can't. I don't think you can go wrong making a character in this because, you know, it's like you've got starting out, choose archetypes, nationality, background, characteristic, finishing touch is done. Nice, straightforward, or should make you decent characters. Whereas, you know, Infinity, even if you were using rolling, if you were just picking it, you could still end up with a bit of a naff character. So this is very clearly all. I do but. think, though, I, I, I like, I mean, I, I recognize that, like, what I see in Conan, and I agree, I mean, Conan's, it's, it's so, it's built to fit the niche. And I see that Infinity offers something that's similar. That reminds me a lot of the life path system from Cyberpunk 2020 yeah. from the 90s. Same kind of thing. You're rolling like, oh, I had this girlfriend and she dumped me and she's pissed off at me and yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. I don't see, I think that that is, is implied to the player who has, who wants to develop a story for their character. I think that is implied in this because, yeah, you choose your nationality. You choose an archetype, which is like commander or con artist. That's like your class of sorts. And uh, and then you choose your nationality. Yeah, you said, and then background. Background is interesting. It's it's something that has isn't necessarily related to the your your archetype, but it's it's something else about you. Like maybe you were an academic or an athlete or a journalist or an engineer or the covert operative, a spiritual leader. Heaven forbid, a politician. Uh, you know, you were a police officer before serving. You know, they they have these other layers that say essentially, like this is the role you play in the game, but this is what you were, and this is what you you this is where you come from and what you come from. So I could see a player who's interested in telling a story through the character creation process that you could easily. Um, Oh, and then the characteristic, you know, something, it's like your little known fact, you know, are you a bookworm? Do you have a criminal mindset? You know, were you raised by a cult or something like that? I, I see that as it provides you the player, all the fodder, if you want to actually yeah, I think do that's, that. that's the, that characteristic bit is the one that makes your characters way more interesting. I think it was just background architect. It'd be a bit, you could have very one dimensional characters. Yeah. I think by the time, like I said, although it's not as detailed as, as Conan and thingy, actually by the time you've picked your archetype and your nationality and your background and your characteristic, you've got a reasonably interesting character that probably got some idea um, of what they want to do. But yeah, so we're kind of in the middle. I mean, the, the downside of the infinity in Conan is that making characters would actually take like a really long time. Whereas actually you can make a character quite quickly with this, which you weren't able to. Well, I see. I like Star Trek also because it has, there are so many talents and you do have a number of different options at the few steps. Conan even more so. Like for me, you need to use or you you should use the online character generators. 
Uh, I don't know if one exists for this. I, I don't think I have, I haven't heard anything of it exists, but it's not necessary. It's not necessarily at all. Like you need, you need a piece of scratch paper and you need a character sheet and that's it. Um, and if you have a reasonably clear idea of the type of character, like the type of niche and the type of actions your character would want to be involved in, I think you'd be able to walk right through this. No problem. And, and put together a, a, a pretty cool character. Yeah, I think it's good. And they, they do what also do you, have a nice worked example. So all the way through and at the end, they've got this nice, mm -hmm. very clear worked example. So you can see, uh, you can see, you know, what your character is, how to make a character and stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Like I said, I, I really think that they've done a good job of providing those extended examples and, and, and shorter examples to help you understand like, hey, you just read these rules. Now this is what they look like. I, I think that's good. Um, I think that the uh, the I think the magic system. I mean, we've we've talked about this a little bit. We talked about this in the the modifications episode a bit, but I think the magic system works really well for this setting. Yeah. Uh, there's there are two different kinds of magic. There's battle magic, which is our our you know fire and forget type spells, and then there there are rituals. And rituals are extended tasks. And if you're familiar with two die twenty, and you're not familiar with Octone Cthulhu. That's how rituals work. They have, they have a uh, some of the terminology is different, but essentially they have a stress track. They have a magnitude that tells like like how many how many wounds basically you need to inflict through through working on this ritual to make the thing work. And um, actually, it's it's pretty cool. In the um, have you read the the free quick start? The quick trip to France. Uh, I mean, I think I've read all the sort of the rules stuff. I didn't. I didn't. Don't think I've read the adventure or the most of the other. Okay, in that adventure at the the, the final encounter, uh, and if you're going to play it, you should plug your ears right now. But in the final account, in final encounter, the 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 Nazi Black Sun Master guy is in the mid when the when the players when the characters show up, he's in the middle of casting a ritual to summon up something horrible, and uh, and so the players have an opportunity to their characters to interrupt this ritual while this guy is trying to do it. I thought that was, that was an interesting, um, that was an interesting example of something you've seen in movies and read in books where someone is trying to wield magic, but it's not like a snap your fingers kind of magic. It's the, you know, draw the circle and spit on the ground and, and mumble in some arcane tongue. And it takes a couple of minutes. And when people are shooting at you and throwing things at you, that complicates your ability to do this. So, I thought that that was interesting and that there are there are actually ways that you can use spells to interrupt the magic that someone else is trying to cast, including rituals, so that the players were able to do different things to try. And I've, I've run that a few times and the, play, the characters or the players have always done something different to try to disrupt the ritual. They've always tried to disrupt it, but it's all they've gone about it a little bit differently. So I, I thought that was uh, that was a nice touch and that mechanically rituals and uh, battle magic sit very well within the two die 20 mechanics, but they function differently and you have to deal with them differently, um, in, in gameplay. Yeah. I, I like the fact that the way they've got the spell set up is that each spell has, is, is like relevant to a particular skill. Cause in the past it'd be like, well, I'm going to be a, you know, if you were doing say mutant chronicles and Conan, really the only two that done yeah. it. You would have one particular attribute that or, or skill that all of the spells worked on, but then you'd have a like really complicated talent tree to stop you like really abusing it. But yeah, you could really just max out that one skill. Whereas here, like if each spell's 
from a different skill, it makes it like quite hard to be really good at doing like every spell. I mean, there's a lot of, and under the Celtic one here, there's like a lot of survival spells. Um, but like, I'm looking at the like the the Norse type one, and they're all like almost every spell is a, a different a different skill that it uses. So, um, yeah, and the magic just so so you folks understand if you, if you haven't read this stuff, there there are three different kinds of casters. There's your someone who's who has learned because they grew up in some kind of a tradition, like Celtic magic or Norse magic or something like that, or because they are they study, or because they're what they isn't it dabbler. Is that uh, yeah. It? Yeah. And that's that's someone who has, you know, by whatever means picked up the ability to cast some spells and they all have advantages and disadvantages to them in terms of how you choose, how many you have, how powerful your spells are. And I like that because, you know, I, I had a conversation a couple of days ago with a, a buddy of mine who's like gotten back into gaming and is just gaga over 5e. And we won't go down that rabbit hole here. But um, but he was at, he asked me, he's just like, you know, what's really the difference between sorcerers and wizards? And yeah, mechanically, there are some differences, but there's a lot of overlap. Like if when I look at the, the fact that they both use spell slot tables, they both gain, you know, yeah, they gain differently, but there's there's a lot of overlap between them. I think that uh, the three different casters in this, even though they could be using some of the same spells, the amount of power they have. And the amount of like, the amount extra they could risk, especially the dabbler, to to be more powerful, but maybe uh, lose control of the spells, I think is really cool. So I, I see the three different casters in this as being distinct enough that if you had a cool story idea, it would the mechanics would would facilitate that. It would feel right for that. Yeah, I think that like you know, there's. I mean, it'd be nice if there was more spells, but that's kind of you know, you don't want to go deep. Sure. We don't really want to be sort of your yeah, fifth additional Pathfinder levels of crazy amount of spells. But there's enough spells here that if you've got one or two uh, casters in your party, I think you're fine. I think where you'd have to, if you played over a long amount of time, I think then you'd start having issues that, because you only start with sort of between one and three spells. But you can learn spells right. like, well, depending on which, like you said, which of the three you go, it's like how easy it is to learn more spells. But we haven't got a huge amount of spells here. I mean, like the Celtic spell book is one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight. That's it. The runic spell books. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're about the same. So yeah, there's not a huge amount. I mean, there's actually more psychic abilities. Now I'll tell you, I, I cheated a little bit a while back in looking through the game master's guide. And there there is information. There's more information about more spells, and there's a lot more information about rituals. Um, about creating them. Because if you think of a ritual as an extended task, extended tasks are things that the GM creates for the players to engage in as a mechanical side of a story. And the uh, uh, rituals, it seems to me, those are the kinds of things that you would you would create. This, this is not, I mean, yeah, the battle magic is the closest we've got to like typical fantasy magic systems, but this is not a like, you know, the, the, the spell is on a shelf and it's mass produced like like canned food, you know, which is kind of how like D25E style spells seem to me. Um, this is different. And then like we've said in other episodes, the the amount that you can use, like how often can you cast spells like battle magic spells and rituals is is throttled by the fact that 
you take stress damage by casting the spells. You can use momentum and other things to counter that, to reduce that cost. Um, and in most cases, it's a roll. So you're not certain. It's not like, oh, if I cast this, it will cost me, it'll give me this amount of headache or so it'll make my nose, it'll make my right nostril bleed or something like that. You roll. And so you could cast a spell once and it has a minimal effect. You can cast it again and you get like walloped, <laughs> which I, I like again, because you're playing with you're not playing with fire. You're playing with some weird crap from another dimension. It's not. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be clean and easy yeah. and perfectly reliable. It's magic. Uh, and that's actually most of the book, then, isn't it? Because literally, then there's a few pages, kind of how the what it's like in the different armed forces. It's a really. It's like it's not even ten pages. Uh, if you're part of the different armed forces or the resistance or like the, the well, like sort of the spy services for the different. They got a, a, a decent section on vehicles yeah, fix it, yeah. and vehicle rules. Yeah, I like that. Actually, they've got they've kind of got the terminal with tanks and stuff, which is nice. Um, and then they've yep. It's been, they like thrown in some sort of other troops, and initially you think, well, why why have they given us rule for like what are essentially NPCs? And you kind of, well, actually, maybe this if if you've got allies, if you've got people in like a party, you know, it's unlikely that you just got your two or three party members and no one else with them, right? So actually, if they want. NPCs with them, it's useful to actually say, well, well, the PCs can control these NPCs. These are the, these are the rest of your squad yep. kind of thing. And then we've got some animals in there as well. Uh, and that's it. So, I mean, it's basically, the, the book has everything it wants. It just it is just for the players thing. Um, but I think as a whole, you know, I, I'd, obviously I'd already read the PDF. It's nice to have the book in my hands, but like we said already, I still, I think this is probably the the, the best written, I mean, it still could be better, but it's, it's, it's well-organized, unlike some of the other Modifius books. Uh, it is, you know, the rule system is, you know, we already like the rule system. This is just a really good version of that rule system. Um, yeah. Thanks to the interview. I, generally, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm happy with it. I'm pretty impressed with it. I'm look, looking forward to actually actually running it at some point, fingers crossed. Yeah, and, and just for my cursory glance over the GM's guide, which we're not, we don't have time to go into today, and we'll go into it in another episode, but I... The GM's guide has a lot more explanation and a lot more background information. It, and it you need both books. Yeah. If you're going to run the game, you, app, you you can't not have the player's guide. But if you're only planning on playing the game, you only need the player's yeah. guide. The GM's guide has a ton of background that if you read it, will could potentially spoil cool ideas that your GM would throw at you. And a lot of the GM's guide has your kind of monster manual-ish stuff with, you know, lots of different NPCs and lots of different monsters and other kinds of things that that's all the GM's territory. So you, as players only yeah. need I'm this. I'm quite glad. And I, I mean, really, it... Go ahead. Say, I'm quite glad that they've split it because it kind of means if someone's just wanting to look up like rule things, they can have that book. And your G, yeah, as the GM, you can just have like the other book, which has got all your monster stuff in. It's kind of like, you know, in d yeah. it you know, D&D's always been like that. You've always had, like, you have to have the player's guide. You have to have the monster manual. If you have the, G, you know, the DM, Dungeon Master's Guide is usually, like, extra stuff you don't need. Um, and I like the fact they split this, whereas a lot of other, you know, core book role-playing things, everything's in one book, and then it became, well, that's the GM's book. That means the players don't have anything. Or they have to buy this massive big book where maybe 50% of that book is is setting they don't need and monsters they don't need and the you know usual blurb about how to be a GM, which everyone's read before anyway. So actually just having a nice focused player book with like, here's all the rules you need to play the game. 
um you know that's yeah. that's great and then the gm needs this extra book so actually even for gm it's handy you're like right well i can have this page open this book over to this page and i can have my gm book on this page so i actually like i like that they split it it's uh, it doesn't look as good on the deck, but yeah i love the fact too that they put the uh they they, they put the bookmark the little the bookmark yeah. uh, ribbon in all of these because then you're right i mean you can just say all right i i i need to i'm going to go ahead the first couple times i run this i'm going to leave the ribbon in the combat chapter and so if I need to turn to it, I know that it's there. But really, you made a great point. All of the, 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 the vast majority of the crunch that sits at the, at the foundation of this system is in this single book, and it's very yeah. well organized. So it's not pawing through and finding like, oh, yeah, there was this chapter about equipment, and there's half a page that talks about this aspect mechanically of equipment. That's the Star Trek Federation book. Um, this is not like that. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, it's really clear. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to getting deeper into it and then eventually running it, like, you know, maybe run a short arc or something like that and see how it, it plays out after I'm, I'm done with this Star Trek stuff for a while. Um, it's nice to have things on deck, but for the future yeah. that I don't feel pressed, like, oh my gosh, I have to squeeze this stuff in my head. I can, I can absorb it. I could read it. Um, slowly over time but yeah i would recommend i mean if, if someone was interested in this you know obviously buy it uh even if you're not really taken with the idea of mythos nazis I, you, I, if you're into why not i don't why what's wrong with you um but if you're not if that doesn't seem like your thing if you're a fan of this system and you're looking at other games in it I would honestly, I would pick up the player's guide because it just offers you more things. You know, it offers you more explanation. And I think it makes a, and you know, when you said a while back that you put this one <laughs> kind of dead center on like the cruncho-meter, um, <laughs> that's, we have a new new measuring device, the crunchometer, and this sits right in the middle for all of these versions of this system. And so I, I think it's use, it, it's good to have on your shelf. Uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun to play, but I think it'd be useful just to read because I think it would actually kind of enlighten. Yeah, I think it's, it's funny that not only is it in the middle in terms of the crunch that like it's not as complicated as the complicated ones, but it's not as fluffy as the the more narrative ones. Not Dune. It, yeah, it, it's not only is it full in the middle of that in kind in terms of genre wise, it it's more of the most sort of the mishmash in the middle one. Like you know, it's not. It's it's as close to modern day as any of them have got, but it also has magic in it and it has evil, nasty monsters in it. Um, if you wanted to take it and go steampunky with it, that'd be easy. If you wanted to go Western, you could do that. If you wanted to go fantasy, you could probably do that. Like we said, easier from here than from Conan. Yeah. If you wanted to go sort of pulpy sci-fi stuff, you know, like actually, again, you could do this because it's got rules for psychic powers in there. So like, you know, yeah. people go like, oh, I want to do, I want to do like a, a near future sci-fi thing well actually in some ways like, like a flash golden or something was like well infinity doesn't have rules for psychic powers and star trek doesn't really have rules for psychic powers it kind of hand waves them this actually has rules for psychic powers yep. you know and you just reword the things to you know ray guns and there you go so it's a, it's a good middle like if you were literally like oh i've, I've liked the idea of this 2d20 it seems like a good system i don't know which book to use to just use my own one well this this one yeah i agree i i think that this one this goes off you know the on the heels of our our talk over um adaptations and hacks and modifications and so on and so forth i think this one this this would be the must-have if you wanted to 
if you were more interested in taking this mechanic, this system and doing your own setting with it. Yep. So get it. All right. So I, I, I will give it, I only have two thumbs, so I'll give it two thumbs up. Yep. I totally agree. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.